0: And now the nominees for video of the year. Of the Without your
1: love. Without your love. It's about the love change. Do a some soul in a little, little change. Yeah. It's about the love change. Do a some soul in a little, little change. You can't make a change unless you got the love. Hey friends,
2: Um, welcome back to episode nine of the Boondocks podcast. We are on The Return of the King, as in Martin Luther King. Um, And let me run down the HBO synopsis real quick. Uh, When Martin Luther King comes out of a coma after 32 years and finds himself thrust into the 21st century and life in the post-September 11 era, his turn-the-other-cheek philosophy quickly takes him from beloved national hero to despised terrorist sympathizer. Um, And this episode was huge. This episode did win the Peabody Award. I looked into Mm -hmm. it. So, of course, to honor this episode, we have to have a very special guest with us. Uh, We want to introduce you guys to Justin from Smoke and Reggie's podcast. Justin, you want to say hey and take it away?
3: Hey.
1: What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is uh, Justin, one half of Smokin' Reggie's. Uh, you can find Smokin' Reggie's on um, uh, Twitter at Smokin' Reggie's and also on Instagram as well and on Facebook as well. Um, I'm very happy and excited to get on this uh, podcast as a person who has loved the boondocks and do I have all the quotables ready. I, I analyze every episode, all four seasons, And so this is like, I'm like a kid in the candy store right here. So thank you guys for having me.
4: Fantastic. Oh, we are so <laughs> excited to have you. Thank you so much for supporting us. Um, seeing kind of the same vision that we have for the show. And um, we'd love definitely, you know, we'll tell you, we're gonna jump into it and then we'll be off completely somewhere else on another like island but we'll make it back. <laughs> just we'll stick with make
1: it, it just back just to the show. It. I can swim. I can swim a little bit. I'll doggy paddle with you there. All
3: right. It'll be good. it will be good. Take some guts yes. to jump in on this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for real,
3: I'm oh. so happy. Everybody,
4: you know, welcome everybody back for for another week. We are a, another week into, or closer to, you know, having Joe Biden, Joe Biden, and um, <laughs> you know, Joe Biden and, and uh, <laughs> President Kamala,
3: because you know she pretty much gonna be running things. Um, and you know, in house, yeah, yeah. So, oh uh, wait, wait, you know, wait, wait, though, wait, we have to acknowledge the fact that. This is our leader in chief right now uh, has not conceded. Oh, uh I was so going. Like, there. Wait, wait, wait. Like, I'm sorry. He did. He did. He did tweet something about. Well, he won, but not for real. And then his next one was like, "I will never say he won," because of, of course. course. <laughs> I mean, I, this
4: this hissy fit is worse than I Woo! thought it would be. I expected. Dude, I expected some. <laughs> But I didn't expect for him to try to be like, "Oh, I'm going to overthrow and I'm going to become a dictator and I'm going to run the country." But then I'm also going to do nothing but golf for the next sixty some some odd days, um, you know, eat McDonald's and then not take any. Like he's not working at all.
3: Oh no, and, like his calendar. Well, been, I mean, like he golf. is a little. You know, he's he's decided that we're going to um, pull out of Iraq and Afghanistan uh, five days us, before yeah. Biden is sworn in. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Yep. Let's see. There was something else that happened today. Oh, there was the. I don't know that some of the other Republicans are starting to give up. He fi- he
5: fired the, he uh, fired uh, yeah. the CISC yeah. guy.
3: The guy who basically said that the that the uh, election was the most secure election ever. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm. "No, you're fired." Yeah, yeah, because, and that dude gave a speech, right? Too totally, yeah, totally. Fake that news. dude went up
4: there and was like, "Our, it's been the best one ever. We are just a great country. Our voting is just, you know." He wants to get fired. I think he wanted to be able to collect unemployment because I think
3: he was I like, oh, he was was like "Fuck Trump. I don't want to have to still be here when this whole shit blows up. Let me just yeah. put him on blast." Yeah,
1: he's <laughs> for real. He trying to, he's trying to forest gump this. I'm like, yes, for this shit, burn down. Oh my god,
3: like. Uh, it's it's like when the sh- exactly it's when the ships burning down or blah, uh, blah, sinking and all the rats are abandoning ship you see the the minor republicans the ones that don't worry about you know the 70 million people that do support <laughs> Trump mm-hmm. um but you see them going okay come on come on come on he's a, he's we're we're humoring him a little too much and the rest of the world is like humoring him motherfucker we've been humoring him for four fucking years get
4: him out of there <laughs> yes yes i mean like we said you know last week the fact that you know foreign countries were having fireworks mm-hmm. and tweeting and congratulating him, like they're just as sick well not just as sick because i don't have to they didn't have to live with them you know for what how many days has it been six twelve hundred sixteen hundred whatever the hell it'll be by the time he's done <laughs> but um the fact that even now they're coming out and they're being even more vocal with like He's done so much damage and I hope that, you know, J. Biden can get in and, and repair some things. Like, we definitely need to get back. I'm totally making a shirt that says J. Biden. You guys think I'm playing. I'm totally, that's, that's what I'm calling my president, Uncle J. Biden. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, so I, I think that they all feel our pain and they just want things to kind of get back to a, you know, a sense of normalcy where we can all work together and worry about curing this crazy, you know, disease that's, taking so many lives um, and not worry about him starting a, you know, World War three with somebody else. So Mm.
1: I just think his, his, I just think the people that support him galvanize him so much that even when he's wrong, he's going to he's going to stand strong in that wrong. Did you? Mm -hmm. These are these are these are the same people that carried over from the whole birther, (laughs) uh, like debacle that he created and then carried over into an election and now more than ever even when you present them concrete facts you know about obama being born in the country they're still going to stand strong in their wrong and in their ignorance you know so yeah. thing is duplicitous with 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 trump supporters so I, I didn't expect anything less for him <laughs> to be, you know, super glued to his chair as his wig or toupee <laughs> or whatever the hell is on his head sticks, you know, so him <laughs> and his fucking toupee are gonna be a Nagalus to his presidency. He's have, trying not to go anywhere.
3: Have y'all noticed you that have y'all noticed that his hair is getting whiter and whiter as like the last couple of weeks have gone on? Like they're not yeah. spraying his hair anymore, yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, either that, or it, it literally turned white overnight because it was well, yellowy last time. Because somebody was like, <laughs> whatever right.
1: the hell that is. I don't yeah. know. What Blonde the hell it is. in
3: quotation marks. <laughs> well, you know what?
4: Maybe if he didn't have such a disdain for black people and thought that whenever we right. try to go to the grocery store, we're getting shot out, hmm. shot at. Because you know, some there's some black hairstylists that would have had his shit looking real like it was going straight from his scalp. So, you know, he you know, he could have went to Atlanta and got whipped up real quick and nobody would have been able to make fun of him. But he didn't do that. So now we have all of this, all of this, you know, uh, material that we're gonna be able to just for the rest of our days. It's gonna be so fantastic. Yeah,
1: I um he is a walking punchline. It, walking I mean, punchline.
4: So many. Jimmy Kimmel literally I watch Jimmy Kimmel's um, monologue every single night. Because he does about 15 minutes of nothing but, nothing but. And, I mean, he really, if I have to say that there's somebody that I know that really hates somebody, even though that's a strong word, I would say it's Jimmy. Like, Jimmy can't stand this man. <laughs> and that's it good. is just the best material. I laugh from the gut every night for a good 10, 15 minutes. So,
3: uh, it's good times. I. Yeah, exactly. You can't hear Dean because he forgets that he's muted sometimes. But he <laughs> was like, it's funny how he and Adam Carolla went completely different directions in in their politics and their Right? Uh yeah, anyway. <laughs> From the chugga chugga hoy 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 cuz I definitely used to right? watch that back in the day. I, I did too. The Man Show? Oh, I mean, I totally watched it. I will 100% it. admit to, you know, girls bouncing on trampolines is one of my favorite ways to end a show ever. Oh my god. Right. But- <laughs>
4: I lived in a fraternity I house. I give with my myself a black eye. So I can't do it. So I had it, so. to. Like that was the thing we did every night. I was the only girl sitting in the circle watching the girls jump on the trampoline. I was like, Wow, look at that one. She did the splits. Oh, look at that one. Yeah, no, that 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 was me. That was me. That was college, though. You know, it's yeah, living in a frat house. That's one of the things that happens, happens. with frat brothers. But it's just baby bye. That was me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> another show that couldn't be on right now. They would murder uh, yeah. them for having that.
3: Oh my god, be too so, mat- misogynistic. Yeah, I'm not Ooh. really a big toxic masculinity fan And I feel like a, yeah. lot of, uh, a lot of things that get associated with feminism negatively Are actually toxic masculinity So, like, I fully love and support sex workers of all kinds And that absolutely includes girls jumping on trampolines in front of a camera And there is Why, nothing is wrong with they that like, Look, Everyone can fans. Sense. People have become
4: <laughs> real, real secure this year mm. because they decided to go ahead and start OnlyFans or, you know, <laughs>
3: I'm not mad at you hey, at all. Like get, get that money. That, if you I know? had...
1: To get like, your bread. I ain't mad at you. Right?
3: Right? One of my cousins was complaining about... <laughs> <any day. Yeah. laughs> one of my cousins was <laughs> complaining about girls sliding into his DMs, basically asking for him to get on their OnlyFans, and I'm just sitting here going, why ain't, Nobody's sliding into my DMs with their OnlyFans? Like... <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's the right way. I don't have anybody
1: asking me to right? <laughs> No, yeah, it's mixtape in there too if you have one. Right. Right. Yeah. Out here.
4: right. I mean, it is crazy because people really just it with the, the you know, being a sex worker. But people are on there, you know, that are um, personal trainers. Mm-hmm. People are on there that are nail technicians. People are on there that are in the music, you know, but of course this one aspect gets, you know, focused on. I will admit well, yeah, there, oh, yeah, yeah, because of Patreon. It's
5: supposed to be the Patreon.
4: Yeah, it's supposed to be the Patreon. True, yeah. Um, but when you have people like who I'm kind of excited about, I don't know if I'll pay, but Chris Brown has one, I will I will go on and see, you know,
3: see what we'll, see what Chris is sharing a little bit. Um, <sighs> that one's just too problematic for me to even think about. Yeah, I've seen, I
4: respect him as like an artist. I, I, I can I, just
3: look the other way. Plus, I've seen
4: penis pictures, and so why not? I
5: found something <laughs> something interesting out today that I did not know. Tom Morello, I don't, I don't know if you know, he's Rage the, Against the, Machine. Gay, the guitar player for Rage Against yes. the Machine. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
5: he was a stripper. He was a stripper.
3: Ooh, can I be <laughs> like, Okay, I will admit, what? I'm not a big fan of male strippers, but Tom Morello, I've had a bit of a crush on since like 1991. <laughs> so, so you're like I will see that, that I well, would you
5: see that him. in a heartbeat my, t- my, my thing lately has been watching uh, reaction videos of oh, black yeah. people who have never heard of Rage Against the Machine and wait, wait. they're just discovering them
4: do we know them three? oh I got to see oh I totally know Rage Against
3: all
1: about okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're on my playlist no, right now. Oh, Justin?
3: I see a face that might not be.
1: Uh, oh. uh, do I need to participate? in to watch a
3: Mid 90s, mid 90s, calling up. So it, it's mid 90s, kind of a rap rock band that basically mm-hmm. screamed about how cops were killing people, killing black people specifically because they're essentially KKK in new form. Like
5: and the system is against and the okay. system is so
3: the rage against the machine is raging against the against political the machine. Yeah.
1: machine. Yeah. So okay. So they yeah. were like they were like the 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 rock public enemy of this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Imagine you and my husband just said yeah. the same thing yes. at the same time. Yeah. 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 Imagine if you took. I've heard took, of them. I just never. I just never right. Right. Right.
5: right. And it's funny because they. I mean, yeah. The the because Zach De La Roca, who's the 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 leads singer <laughs> yeah, sing. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a rap who is uh mexican comes from a zapatista mexican background yes mm-hmm. uh, yep. his mother was Put an activist entrance. grew him as an activist tom mm-hmm. morello tom morello has has uh, got
3: like doctorates he's, he's, in political he, science he, and... political science
5: from harvard yeah
3: <laughs> so, yeah he's a
4: smart just, motherfucker yeah like so when i got with
3: my husband um you know
4: he's he's from the bay area he's from richmond i'm from sacramento um you guys don't listen i'm you know I'm, I'm getting justin all caught up here so <laughs> our taste in music was completely different i grew up in like a friday night lights type of cow town um which is still and, you know, amazing for me to believe bay uh-huh. area e40 e you know uh too short whatnot so i remember when we got together and i made us <laughs> date myself here this is when you used um line wire so you can oh make, yeah you know you could burn CDs. Yeah. So
1: I, I, remember, I remember
4: Yeah, we were going to Vegas. So I burned the CD and I remember Lincoln Park coming on and he's all, what are you listening to? What is this? And I'm like, just listen to what they're saying. <laughs> listen to the words, listen to it. And so I've converted him a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, he gets it. He, he gets it now. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I always got the question like, well, wh- how do you listen to that? What, why one, I'm a singer musician. So I love the aspect of, you know, the All, you know, alternative rock, or rock was just making like actually playing the instruments and their voices and the instruments. So, is, yeah. yeah, so I always love that that part of it. Same, um, but yeah, and it's just it, music is music, everything has a message. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not into like the screamo, fucking like that, that shit just doesn't make any sense. Like, that yeah. sounds like noise to me. It sounds like a baby sometimes just hitting on a bunch of pots sometimes. and pans. Sometimes scream. it can work. Um,
3: I'm, I will admit it, I'm not a huge my, fan, but.
4: Yeah, my twelve-year-old last year—that's what he was into—and I'm like, please turn that off. No <laughs> you're, you're say that. but no. Um, so yeah, so Faith No More, yes, Faith, like I
3: love them. You yes. know, um, another band grade. that's kind of like a rock rap kind of blend. Yeah, Funky. yeah. you don't know it, Lindsay? Nope, Lindsay does not know that one. Nope, Lindsay, my husband's going no too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's it's funny that Lost like us. you're mentioning things that totally like in Seattle faith no more absolutely that was a huge huge thing like a lot of the a lot of the kind of like rock end that you talk about I absolutely grew up listening to that um, yeah. and we have those same conversations like you and your husband where he'll play something and I'll be like oh my god that's a uh, terrible and there's no lyrics and he's just whatever and he'll be like well what the hell are you listening to <laughs> so
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he says all the time, what new? What is this? You know, and uh, but for the most part, I do that to you, you know he, he, <laughs> Yeah, he gets it now. He, on our road trips, he if I drive, that's our rules. If I drive, I get to you know, I listen to my music. Oh, yeah. It's
3: uh, he drives, oh yeah. yeah, driver picks so, the
5: music. Driver picks the music. Shotgun, yeah, shuts his cake goals.
3: Kyle, yeah. <laughs> it was Kyle.
1: I, nobody Kyle. wants to hear my my road trip music, so it's all it's all good. My, my, what, my what fiance is does it? not want to hear. Well, um, I'm a mixture between like some Anita, some Cold Chain, some underground hip hop. Yes. Um. Oh. So I think everyone like I
3: want to hear that. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. You know what oh I'm yeah. And I. I <laughs> You know I, I get I get most of my playlist from you know when you hear like that R&B music coming on in the morning you gotta clean so it was like some Mickey Howard some Stevie Wonder some you know a mixture you might hear some Bob Marley you might hear some D'Angelo so that'd be my ro- my road music and it'd be like well this is putting me to sleep well it's helping me it's helping me go so I, I don't know you know what I'm saying what to tell you but yeah that was I'm, I'm more I'm more like smooth mellow load out i know as you as i can tell as i'm talking like i'm i'm always i rarely get angry at stuff and when i get excitable it still looks like i'm not angry so you know you just have
4: you have a good energy though and it seems like you just you have a natural smile on your face all the time it seems like so yeah. that that's good but i like your playlist i'm say so, anita was played in my wedding two or three times we had different songs i walked down the aisle to angel my my, my shit wait wait, um, wait i would throw maze into which that angel Sarah McLaughlin. No Aerosmith? Oh, I love that one too though. Oh gosh. Um, Anita Anita Baker. Anita Baker. okay, I'm
3: like, there are too many songs
4: yeah. just called yeah.
3: Aerosmith. Or just yeah. called Angel. You need to like go yeah. through them here.
1: That's the one. That's the one. That's the one.
4: That, that, but um, sidebar. Favorite Sarah McLaughlin is um ice cream. Hold Best on.
3: ever. Hold on. Awesome. <laughs> Basically, fuck you, God. You're taking away somebody that I love. I, the, I love that song.
5: The, the one where they have to rescue the dogs.
3: Oh, that that's Angel. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And uh, that's why I paused when you said that. I was like, oh God, is it the the, the I can't listen to that song anymore? Yeah, I no. cry.
4: <laughs> donate. Look at that sick cat. Uh, if you just go ahead and donate 45 cents a
3: week. Yeah, I don't and know they why just she switched elected. It. They just switched it over to I'll stand by you, which is another one of my like 80s favorites. And I was like, No, oh. it's ruined. <laughs> I'm just ruining music. How dare they? How dare they. <coughs> yes. See, this is where we
4: go. See?
1: <laughs> this is where we go. I was just like, like oh, here we go. I <laughs> got <laughs> oh, yeah, changes. It's all right. Oh. It's all right.
4: Well, um, you, let's uh let's let's start how, talking how about that that the in a little bit. Something have you guys talked about the episode yet? No,
3: like no. <laughs> no, no. Hey, this is not the episode where we're like 45 minutes in before we start talking no, about it though. True. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can but happen.
4: This is probably one of my favorite ones. Would you guys oh say out of I would said one of my top Five favorite episodes out of
3: Boondocks, right here. I want to hear from you guys because I, I have first a different. I yeah, you guys first because I have a whole thing about that. that
4: <laughs> well, Lindsay, what do you think? I always, I was telling my husband today. I was like, I love me some Lindsay because we be coming with this, and then you be like, "Fuck that!" This is where <laughs> that really is.
0: So, what do you think? <laughs> Y'all, did do do my sister was.
2: Giving me her reviews of our podcast. She's like, Why are you such a Riley? I was like, What do you mean? Like, yeah, Huey. She's like, I was like, What do you mean? She's like, Well, you're so quiet. And then you just spit some truth. She spit truth the whole time. I was like, Girl, no. No, if I have something to say, I say it. Otherwise, I shut the fuck up. Um, About this episode, it's not one of my favorites, but I understand why it was considered so profound. And I understand why it got that Peabody Award. But y'all know I take umbrance with it, especially like the end
3: speech, Mm. which
2: I knew one of us would pick it.
3: because Two of us did. I think all three of us did, actually.
2: (laughs) Right. So. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely talk about that. We'll get into that. Not one of yeah. my faves. And my, my fave is The Legend of Jimmy Rebel, <laughs> should tell you everything you need we to know. We were just
3: talking about that. <laughs> yes. That's the one that was yes. banned from being on air now. <laughs> yeah, that, that one is probably the, probably the worst episode. So Yeah, yeah I
4: am. Um, well, I, we're not talking about know, that episode. <laughs> the one you know, I... Like I said, this is one of my five, my favorites, but like any of the other ones is when, you know, um, Riley is just being a little shit, you know, or when, when like last week, you know, it'd be cool if they just call you bitch, you know, I don't mean bitch in this way that, you know, like it's just when he is just truly 100% stripped down himself. That is the best. So we definitely see it in this episode because he was not for Morgan Freeman King. as he was calling. him. <laughs> <laughs> he was not for him. Um, but yeah, I I think that this episode, when it started off, I remember just the, my feeling the first time I saw it. The way that it started off and the way that it ended, um, it, it just elicited so many different feelings. Mm-hmm. And watching it a few more times, you know, to get ready for today, um, it just, it's, I have a wave of emotions because I feel like what part of what he's saying is so very true. Mm-hmm. But then there's other parts that I feel like, it's a, it's a larger issue for a community that we need to heal upon, which is why X, Y, and Z happens, which is something that he talks about within the speech. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. But
3: mm-hmm.
4: yeah, um, my son say? started watching it with oh. me. They're nine and 12. And they thought it was real. Like they were like, he went to a coma. And we were like, I was like, okay. No. <laughs> we'll watch this again later. Let me take the episode. And then we'll sit and We were like, that did not happen though. But yeah, so, um, but yeah, so Justin tell, i know you said this is like something that you—you you love the show, you're passionate about it. Um, now you look like you're 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 young. So did you watch it when it was on the first time,
1: or you just? Um, I mean, like I said, like 2006. I'm I'm one year. I'm a junior in high school. You know, that's and a perfect
3: time to get this show. Mm-hmm.
1: and and I, I don't i wouldn't say like i analyzed it um politically like any socioeconomic effects of it i looked at it for more comedic value i used to laugh and some i had to like when i watched the episode today i went back to me just strictly laughing at the first review of it just laughing at the speech in and of itself and 32 year old me is like oh, there's such a there was the the main, I guess, I guess what I, what I parsed from it was a huge ageism um, chasm here between what the generation of, of, especially in the final scene, the generation um, preceding King uh, loved and and what he, he thought about. And he tried to piece it all together. Like as, as I'm listening to the final speech, um, as of now, it definitely seemed like he was, he was out of touch at, at, at and, um, and also voicing his frustration and anger from basically being um, Bill O'Reilly and and considered um, a domestic terrorist and Huey being, you know, the poster boy for domestic terrorism in, you know what I'm saying, in the whole show. Um, It's definitely so many many issues to to unpack there um, as far as ageism is concerned and how people portrayed themselves during the civil rights era. Um, cause you know, my father was born in, in 38. I was raised by an older, wow. my older parents. So, okay. you know, so I have, <laughs> I have, a, I have a, I'm sort like, of you're girl. like 10, 10 years a, younger than uh, me. Uh, soul. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have a, I've sort of, uh, an old soul. So him, mm, mm, I'm getting I, I got a different account of how some people viewed the civil rights era how they viewed the bills I, I recently read a book that said all that nonviolent all that nonviolent stuff is going to get you killed and that was basically his his rhetoric about it you know and you hear about a uh, 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 Claudette Covington and and, and um, Ida B Wells people who were you know did bus boycotts well before Rosa Parks did so it just yes. it was just so much that it was just there's so much that that I took from this episode just apart from the comedic value now as opposed to when I was younger. That's,
3: that's really great. I I love hearing that perspective because, and, and I'm really glad actually to hear everybody's because when I first watched this episode, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated the way mm-hmm. Martin Luther King was portrayed as kind of this old out-of-touch Person, I hated the way that black culture was portrayed, but I also saw that that is what media portrays us as. So I just was like, this, the, it didn't resonate with me. And then rewatching oh. it uh, a few times today, um, every time I watched it, there was something new that would either make me feel like crying or make me crack up. And I was, I feel like I was much more able to process this, especially this particular episode because of everything that's happened in the last six months. Um, I, I think I, I honestly think that I see it so much differently really because of that. Like literally the end of this episode is what's been happening right now. Like crowds in front of the White House throwing things and getting tear gas thrown at them. And the only thing missing is literal Nazis walking down the street. So... <laughs> and they were kind of there. I, well, no, yeah, we, yeah, we're, yeah, there. I've, I've, we're there. We're <laughs> there. No, literally in Washington D.C. last yeah. night, they're like fucking like Nazi flags flying, walking down in front of the White House.
1: <sighs> on Jamaica, but you know, yep. <laughs> right.
4: they, they know where to try uh, that shit at, right? They know, right? They know.
1: No, 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 not in the hood. We, we will beat your ass. <laughs> it's just a tour.
4: And then I'll show you out. And then show you right on the way out. I mean, look, sometimes that's what's needed. Because some of them are acting real, real special and just real, you know, froggy. Like, just go ahead. You, you feel real froggy. Like, you, you this is what you're going to do? You know, um, mm-hmm. that's unfortunately, as we know, one of the downsides of having, you know, a Y- y'all's president um, y'all's <laughs> president for the past four that. years
3: uh, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> anyone just, listening he, to this podcast support is there but because person no, no, no. Um, <laughs>
4: okay. but he he I'm just good. allowed people to try to be real bold with I mean for mm-hmm. perfect example the lady in the park you know with oh, the yeah. dog I mean blatantly lying you know about this man who was bird watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, um, less intimidating black man that you're ever going to meet in your entire life is one that's bird watching in the park. Um, but you know, she felt a okay, even with him having her phone out, mm-hmm. his phone out and recording her. She just felt okay with continuing that lie and that narrative. And I would love for there to be a, Psychological review of these people, like these Karens, and all these people that we, you know, people have lost their jobs, and the ones that you know, when I follow people to their apartments <laughs> and say, "I've never seen you before," show me your release and all that. I would love to really, I mean, sure, I can tell you, open, I can tell you exactly really who they are. A, a review.
3: They came you know? from the 1980s. That's who they are. <laughs> they were the- <laughs> because literally, these are the white people who think that they're all liberal because they stopped fucking growing when the when you know the quote unquote civil rights era like when once once that was in the past it became Well, that's done, so we don't have to fucking worry about it. And they brought up their kids to not see color and all that other bullshit that we hear all the time. Like, that's exactly who these people are. And they feel entitled because they've never been fucking told no in their life. And when they have, they've been able to argue the way out of it, which is why we have our fucking president who thinks that he can get out of anything because he's never been denied anything. And like, it's... (laughs)
4: <laughs> i mean that's true you watch cops for example or any show and you know somebody that's not melanated gets pulled over mm-hmm. they cuss them up and down all the way around talk Piss about on their, their mamas, shoes, their kids. pull out their yeah. goods and, oh hell everything yeah everything else because they want you to get they gave you a fix-it ticket for your headlight and you knew that was out mm-hmm. but yet they cuss you all up and down let me go <sighs> and who knows what it's going to be and that's I was talking to a friend the other day. I said, that's bullshit because I have boys. I have three boys. So the fact that I have to teach them, you know, our our nine-year-old, he's very high energy. When his dad's talking to him and he's like bouncing around, you know, I was like, stand still. And he's like, what? And he goes, you don't understand. I have to teach you this now because if you are around a cop and somebody that's an asshole, you could... You could be all high energy or whatever it is, and he's going to go and can take that as a sense of you know you acting in a defensive manner, and then that's going to be his mm-hmm. excuse. So,
5: it you sounds know, like, uh, that sounds like uh, Phil Lamar as the UPS driver <laughs> on <of> Mad TV. Mad <laughs> uh, <yeah.
1: laughs> TV, yes, yes.
2: DM uh, uh, feel? I'm not going to lie, though. I did go off on a cop once. I had just had such a shitty night. Just, I won't even get into all the shit that happened, just running around trying to get people. It was a Halloween. Everyone was drunk but me. Ah. And um, I went to turn down the main street where all the bars are, which connects to the street. My, I was living with my mom at the time. Her home was off. So I turned left on the street and the police are like, excuse me, comes in front of my car. I look down the window. He goes, you cannot drive down this street at this time of night. And I don't know what happened. I just fucking snapped. And I said, I drive down the street every fucking night at this time, <laughs> including the weekends. Can you move, please, so I can go home? And he kind of was taken aback. and <laughs> Just let me go. And I, was <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Jesus happened. Jesus Christ. I, I well, was yeah. not in my right mind. I was just livid. I used to have a temper. It's gone now. But like... Luckily, I'm alive to tell the
4: tale like like that. So, you know, we went to school in Davis and it was the summertime. And um, my husband and I were getting ready to get onto the freeway to come into Sacramento. And this cop pulls us over and he says it's because he could see that I'd have a front license plate where he came from. There is no way that he could see that. So he hmm. pulls us over. It's a 100 in hell. It's 530. So all the residents that live in Davis are driving past us. This man pulls us out of the car. He puts us on the side of the road. And my husband is cussing him the hell out giving him the business and i'm like babe don't do that don't do that and he's like i'm not stopping him from doing his job this is my right i'm not impeding him from doing his job even though he's doing i mean he talked about this man he said i bet you used to get put if put in lockers when you were a kid because now you're fucking copping i mean he gave it to him and i called my dad like dad the cops are taking my car and my dad goes Um, okay, well, don't worry about it. He goes, What you know, what's all that noise in the background? (laughs) That's my boyfriend. He's like, Cussing the cop out. He goes, Good, tell him to do it some more. He's like, Because there's no reason for you know, there's no good reason for him to pull us over. So, not only did he take us out, say he was towing my car, but then say he was taking inventory, toss the inside of my car all the way up, and then on top of that, ask, What are you guys doing in Davis? (laughs) And we're like, We go to school here. He's
3: like, You
4: guys go to UC Davis. That's when, Jesus Christ. you know, the, the future lawyer that he, my husband was going to be really kicked in high gear. I mean, he cussed his dude out so bad that when he called his partner, that guy came over. and He goes, J- you know, I-, I get that you're upset. You know, just, just take it a little easy. And I was like, do you want me to start on you? You know, and I fell in love a little bit more that day. I like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, that, that was our first. <laughs> that, that was 2001. So some time Three ago, later, the
5: cop tried to pull his gun <laughs> on me.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have some shit in Davis. Like they don't expect people. They don't expect people respect or expect people of color to go to school there and get a degree. Um, And the cops, they make that known.
3: It's the same thing with with in Seattle, despite the fact that there's this huge, huge immigrant population in Seattle coming from different countries in Africa. It's still Mm -hmm. such a white city that like i've i've owned my house for 14 years it was my dad's before that he bought it in 1975 and was the first black person to move into this neighborhood mm. So like, you know, I've I've told the, you girls before like I didn't I didn't know black people growing up. I still barely know black people around here. <laughs> so, I don't I don't feel safe at all when I see a cop. Never have. Um the last time <clears throat> Dean got pulled over, I literally like almost had a panic attack and I'm in the back seat of the car cuz we're driving home from like a road trip and I had my ID out and I'm just standing there like sitting in the back seat with my hands out and just cuz we're in fucking Eastern Washington. Mm, so and you know, yeah Mm, Yeah. So, so yeah, (laughs) I, I would have loved to see that. But I probably would have had like a massive panic attack right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I
2: I know we got to get on with the boondocks, but let me tell you all about privilege. Uh, mm. My husband is white. He's an immigrant from Italy. And when we first moved to California, he was like, oh, I'm going to take you to Salsalito, uh, this like place north of kind of San Francisco. Oh, um, be beautiful. He drives. Yeah, very... Oh, yeah. yeah. He drives <laughs> us up there. Yep. Very wealthy. And suddenly we see like the little cop on the bike behind us, uh, <laughs> the little Vespa or whatever, with his lights going off, pulls us over. And he's like, just wanted to let you guys know, like, well, be careful. There's a lot of bikers out here. Uh, just wanted to let you know they're doing a race today. Uh, what brings you guys to Salsalito? <laughs> and my husband's like, oh, we're just enjoying the day and getting something to eat. He's like, oh, man, what do you guys feel like? Uh, he's like, Italian, I think. He's like, man, you're in the right place. Let me tell you where to go. And just starts listing off restaurants. And then he's like, anyway, have a great day. What? Uh, what? That's what? weird
3: as fuck. As
2: a, <laughs> I like, and as a black Were woman, a, I'm just... No. Black Mirror? Like, was that a Black Mirror episode? <laughs> like, like, Thank like, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No tickets. No... <laughs> no, no Serious warning! It was like, hey, man, what are you going do- What do you got? Maybe he was like, what are you doing out here? Because there's a black woman. I don't know. But it didn't feel that way. He just felt like a really friendly guy, eager to give some restaurants. I was like, you got to be shitting me. Wow. This is what it is to be white. Right. He's like, like, let me
4: call up and make a reservation for you guys. I have a friend that works Yes. But oh. <laughs> Holy shit. And he-
1: being from being living in a town that was, um, that that was basically had a black population because of gentrification that happened in New York city. Um, so moving up to, to, uh, um, to upstate and why it was, um, it's basically, it's basically like five, six kids in a class that were black, maybe mm-hmm. 10 in the whole school. Oh, and wow. I was lucky if there was more than one to me. <laughs> yeah.
4: And this was in where, in where in Queens?
1: Um, um, nah, this was I lived eighteen years in a town called Port Jervis oh, okay. before I moved out here to Queens. Which is which predominantly would be Trump supporters and mm-hmm. and and fun fact, it was the last place where there was a public lynching held. Oh, fun and fact. you can <laughs> walk pa- and and you can walk past that. And you can walk past that on the way to a black barbershop, which my friend, which my uh, partner in Smoke Reggie's owned for, um, a number of years. And they kind of looked at us as if, you know, we weren't supposed to be black owners or be intelligent or know our rights or anything else. You know, i was supposed to be, I was supposed, to, I was typecasted as the kid that was only supposed to play basketball and know how to rap and not know how to articulate and elocute myself at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, Knowing that, um, you know, being resolute in your privilege, and knowing that at any moment, if I get pulled over, I could be harassed, I could be shot, I could assert my rights. I can say I do not consent to the search. I could say, um, I could, I could say, like, I could, um, exempt myself from being Mirandaed and, and and saying that, you know, I i maintain my right to remain silent um i would like to speak to a lawyer that wouldn't matter at all either um i've just been through a lot with police officers in general my father being uh like just beat the fuck up by NY, NYPD and uh, his teeth knocked out and him, you know, he had, a, he had gold teeth coming from the South and he went to go pick up some coffee at his job and somebody called him the N-word. He beat up two officers. five beat him up and he got a settlement. So there has always been, Fuck. for my whole lifetime, a disdain for policing in America which in turn is its origins being in slave patrols and watches and Convict leasing systems happening after Reconstruction. So I was always privy to that, even at a young age, because I was always precocious because I got told stories that weren't littered in social studies books and weren't whitewashed. You know, I got told, you know, what really transpired and what occurred. So I was always, I was always, I always knew that I could perform. One activity and somebody of another race can perform another activity and they would be privileged or let go or, or let go or exempt from any type of punishment because of their skin color and I would be deemed a criminal because of mine. Mm-hmm. So
0: Yeah,
4: yeah. And isn't that such a it's like a conundrum because I uh, Lindsay and I we've talked about it several times, you know, on throughout the podcast. We lived with being told the same thing. You speak so well. You're not what I expected. Uh-huh. You oh wait, both parents? Oh wait you you know oh, so these things that you did you that you're sprinkled with these compliments, but then on the flip side you're also being fed, you know, this, uh, this rhetoric that we're less than and that we deserve to be treated this way and that stay in your place. And,
3: you know, so it's, it's, um, and differently for me, I was always, what are you? You're exotic. You're different. No, I'm just, right, exotic, my dad's black, exotic my mom's leader. white. There's nothing like, yeah, it's, it's exotic about that. Like, uh, was, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, yeah. it's that light skin thing, though, with that one. Like, I grew up Colorism, pale yeah. as fuck, <laughs> but yeah. very brown mm. for Seattle, but pale as fuck. Like, I'm, I'm the lightest of—I'm pretty sure I'm the lightest of all of my dad's side of the family. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, well, no, and that's we right. I did own- have an aunt that passed for white in the 40s. Uh, there's no pictures of her, but the tales are that she had red hair and freckles, and her skin was, was very pale so yeah well i mean
4: i think that we if we all literally look deep down into you know our history you know being that we know the truth now and we are finding out more of the truth of you know we were here we are some of those natives that they were speaking of native americans you know that we're like we've said before we're not a monolith like our skin and our melanin it's Mm -hmm. it's represented in so many different ways um so it's it's um I I will admit, being younger, I was envious of my friends that were mixed because of their longer hair, because of, you know, but that's because of what I was being fed in the media, in magazines, what I was also being fed in videos, what I was being fed, you know, with, um, like I said, I I lived in a, a mainly white area. So when I liked boys, they were white, but I didn't look like the girls that they liked. I mean, you let's know, look so- at my
3: beautiful husband who is a big representation of most people that I have dated in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Right there. You're like, I have a type. I have a type. No. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Both men and women.
1: <laughs> yeah. right. You gotta know what you, I'll like. See you. Mm. like. I'll see you. I'll see you. Right?
3: <laughs> yeah. So it's, um,
4: it's, it's uh, interesting to hear how, you know, we always say the West Coast and East Coast were so different, you know, West Coast is the best coast.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, <laughs>
4: and all that, but we deal with the same things. But I think that, um, yeah. you know, in, in in the East Coast, California, we look at people and we go, they're Armenian, they're Dominican Republic, um, you know, Dominican, or they're, they're um, you know, uh, God, Nickelodeon or whatever it is. I know back yeah. East, everybody's like, one thing, like everybody is, if you if you're not black, if you're not white, then you're you're just Latin or you're like Dominican
1: or something else like that. So, right, right, yeah. So
4: it's interesting to no, hear.
1: We're, we're not monolithic in our communities no, either. No, um, no, we try, we try not to be, but. What what happens is we sort of coalesce behind the same the di- di- discrimination that we experience um, within our projects, within our within our little enclaves, within our neighborhoods, you know. So. Yeah. What happens is, you know, when when somebody gets pulled over, you know, the whole probable cause stop, I smell weed in the car, and there's no weed in the car, but somebody smells like loud, you know, it's like, can we search this car? And it's like, no, Well, we're going to bring the dogs out anyway. It's like, well, mm-hmm. go ahead, you're going to need a lawyer for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember if in high school, I listened to the Jay-Z um, Black album, and I heard 99 Problems, and the line from it goes well it's the trunk in the back and i know my rights so you're gonna need a word for that that's it is funny how the music that they tried to criminalize actually (laughs) and 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 demonize actually taught me what the fuck my rights were Mm -hmm. as 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 a as a black man in in america so you know it's funny i learned most of my education is from hip-hop and why do you think they tried
4: to demonize it so much
1: Tupac's in the beginning? First, Tupac's mm-hmm. first album. And
4: yeah, Tupac's and first album. I mean, that was a... Please, Tupac out. was telling you, like, be okay. Be, this is strictly for my niggas. He said that for a reason, and he was spitting truth. That's... I mean, I find it so very... Um, it It's baffling to me when people go, well, the history of music. No, everything that's happened, especially if it has to do with the Black music... It's always been something that they, they've tried to demonize. They've tried to bring people down. I mean, don't get me started on all the singers from the 50s and the 60s and how they were all addicted to heroin and, you know, their deals were horrible. And you know, this was this was all done. So when Chimney you start circuit. getting, yeah, exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. you know. Um,
3: hey, how else are you going to sing about STDs and make it a dance song? True, true. <laughs> <laughs> can, can anyone name that song? There's probably like 50 of them. I know, I, besides that. Yes, yes, Dean got the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Which, <laughs> he, again, he's muted. I know, so, Hubby's trying to hear you. He's like, I can't hear him. What is he singing? Poison Ivy. Like, poison Ivy. Poison <laughs> He's adding that He's adding another to the, to the songs He doesn't know when He's you like okay sleep sleeping Poison Ivy comes a creeping Yeah I'll add a tally
1: To the stuff I don't know I'll go look This stuff up later
3: Oh <laughs> I am I I The predominant Class of music That I listen to Is probably Classic soul So like 50s And 60s r and uh There's a lot no, of that I, a lot of those those artists that got those shit deals and were doing those like playing all the county fairs for you know pennies and shit mm-hmm. like those are the those yeah. are the things you yeah. know, and a lot of the songs that I really love ended up making. Becoming popular because it was done by a white artist at the same time, like oh, Elvis is, or Janis so Joplin. Told, yes. Oh
1: god. So you just made yeah. me
3: think of Five
4: Heartbeats because I was just gonna say, like, how Five <laughs> yes. Heartbeats. I'm I'm not one of those people that think that's a real movie, guys. I know that's not a real band. I know it. <laughs> Love the movie though, but it's but the same thing. How yeah. they did in there, they put the white, you know, the, the four horsemen. They put those white dudes on the cover, yep. you know, and they didn't know until they were already out on the road trying to perform, and then they find out like this. What this is, but that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, so it's, uh, you know, getting, you know, back to my point, but that's why, you know, um, they wanted to put the black little labels of the, per, you know, parental consent or mm-hmm. this has harmful, no, it's because we were being taught how to live in America as a black person, you know, for whatever time period it was. And they really hate that we have access to the internet. You know, when it was just a <laughs> library, they were like, yes. nobody goes to the library to research.
3: I actually, now, hate- I actually think that's a really good point. And thinking about uh, going back to the show, like what mm-hmm. you're saying is like Martin Luther King tried to, uh, he tried to kind of suck up all of the stuff that had happened mm-hmm. and understand why the new generation was acting the way they did. And the truth is it, it became what it did because of all of the things that happened after he died. And yes. there would be no way uh-huh. for him to understand that. And um, I I don't know which one there was... Do you want to just go into his speech right now, and we can talk about all of the things in that? That was purposeful. We always get back to it. I was I, know, I know. right back I was like, wait, wait. It. There's no. a tangent. There's a tangent. <laughs> great
1: segue. Yeah. Great segue.
3: I'm I'm going to be good at this. The all right. Uh, MJ hmm? clip. Yes, MJ clip. Will niggas
0: please shut the hell up? He just said what I think he did is this it this is what i got all those ass whoopings for i had a dream once it was a dream that little black boys and little black girls would drink from the river of prosperity freed from the thirst of oppression but lo and behold some four decades later what have i found but a bunch of trifling shiftless good for nothing niggas and I know some of you don't want to hear me say that word it's the ugliest word in the English language but that's what I see now niggas and you don't want to be a nigga cuz niggas are living contradictions niggas are full of unfulfilled ambitions niggas wax and wane niggas love to complain niggas love to hear talk but hate to explain. Niggas love being another man's judge and jury. Niggas procrastinate until it's time to worry. Niggas love to be late. Niggas hate to hurry. Black entertainment television is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Usher, Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. And now I'd like to talk about Soul Plane. I've seen what's around the corner. I've seen what's over the horizon. And I promise you, you niggas have nothing to celebrate. And no, I won't get there with you. I'm going to Canada.
3: <laughs> first of all, yeah. first of all, I, I, like, I totally I go him. Go to, go to Canada. This would have
4: been great if he would just did my right. job. But- <laughs>
3: Uh, so first yeah. of all the, the rhyming that was happening Within that speech Was from a rap Written by the uh, guy Who did the theme song For the Boondocks So I wanted okay. to make sure That got out there In proper props Because that was It was very Shout lyrical it was, it was perfect Yeah yeah. So
4: and, um, and that was I think that was purposely done Because It was saying such so, There's so much being said With, mm-hmm. what, he, with what he said um, Like I said Years ago when I watched it, it was funny. It was like, I know niggas like that. Yeah, I don't that's why I don't with them niggas. Like that. that was kind of our my mentality then. Now I see it as a message saying that we're being niggas within our community because these are things that we're not doing
3: mm-hmm.
4: to move us forward. So, for example, we're judge and jury. We always got something to say about what somebody else is doing. Always, mm-hmm. but yet your house is not clean. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, if somebody being an entrepreneur myself, I see this a lot. You get, you get that false support and oh yeah, and, and it's so frustrating. Cause it's like, well, dude, I, I'm supporting you. I'm doing, I'm doing that. But you know, undercover or, you know, when they're at home by themselves and they're looking at your Instagram posts, they're hating, like, you know, it, and that's, uh, that's a horrible feeling to have. Um, you know, uh, I think some of the things were funny, very tongue in cheek. I say a lot. I said it, I've said it a couple times. I've been late on here. I'll be like, sorry guys. I was on CPT time, but I didn't mean it in a way that I was being, you know, um, discounting to myself. It's like, I have babies to cook for my makeup. Wasn't right. But, you know, it wasn't just purposeful. Like, you know, it can be, um, so there's some very tongue-in-cheek things there that are, I think are supposed to kind of make you laugh. And overall, yeah, it is a commentary on who our community is and who we are, you know, as as um, a species. But with all of those things that we can say that he's identifying as wrong, there's so many things that are the antithesis of that that make us strong and make us so intimidating to so many, you know, to, to other um, cultures or those that don't want to understand
3: uh, I think uh, part of that is the way that, again, media represent or shows black people and represents us. And, you know, when uh, I'm trying to put myself back 15 years ago and remember what was on TV at the time, but it was always... nothing. Yeah, nothing. Exactly. It was... <sighs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, all of the things that like when when MLK was sitting on the couch (laughs) flipping through the TV and it was all music videos and Whitney and Bobby fighting and court TV and like all these things. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I hate to say it, but how I experienced the black community growing up. I just saw what the media presented to me. So MLK was seeing what the media presented the black community to be and didn't see all of the work in it. Uh, Yeah. But it also kind of, the the thing that I ended up loving the most about this episode was how uh, in Huey's dream, because that's essentially what this whole thing is, in Huey's dream, MLK incites a new revolution, Uh, you know, a new civil rights act that black Mm -hmm. people finally stand up and want to be taken seriously and want to be educated and want to do all the things that we told ourselves we didn't want to do because that was how media told us we should be. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a big part of it too. It's not just that he said those things and they were kind of tongue in cheek and true. They were also um, very surface and very white centered what what white people saw the black community as
4: it was like he was giving the message that we all that you know kind of gave us that awakening that call yeah. to the carpet you know like yeah. look this is what they think of you guys i you know i was in a coma exactly. for four years i'm all about you i want to see us move forward but damn this is what i see right now yeah But on the flip side of that, do you think it is also because, because, you know, like when he was flipping through and he didn't like the, you know, what is it? Booty, booty, butt cheeks. (laughs) If that was a real song, I would slap it. Like, but that's just a difference in what he was used to (laughs) and what we listen to. So in a way, it's also like things change in a generation. Mm -hmm. Let's give respect to the generations that come after you that maybe you don't agree with what they're doing or you don't understand it, which is why you don't agree with it. But look at all the the strives and the positive things that they've done. So, I, you know, I think it was that message was also kind of sprinkled within the conversations he was having when they were sitting on the couch and he was watching TV and mm-hmm. kept seeing himself out, you know, on the McDonald's, you know, yeah. um, menu or and you know, merchandising. And, yeah. And, and having the street named after him, that was pretty deep because I would love for them to stop at, in Sacramento. We have a Martin Luther King, j- at, you know, Jr., mm-hmm. and it's
2: not everywhere.
4: Everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. not the best. Everywhere. You know? uh, the
3: only reason, the yeah. only reason why MLK Way is not as dangerous as it used to be is because in in Seattle anyway is because they put light rail right down the middle of it and gentrified every fucking thing for a block what? around it.
4: For so like, that no everything. That
3: mm. no, just changed
4: everything. Yep. Uh, Didn't <laughs> they, did they change Trump from? Like from Trump way or some crap in, in <laughs> New York?
3: In, yeah, in front of Trump Tower. They renamed yeah, it for symbol. They
4: changed it to like... It's, I Army don't think it's real. Was it, it was Black Lives
3: Matter way. Oh, it was a Black Lives Matter way? Yeah. Oh,
4: Obama.
3: Either way, I love that. Um, but, oh yeah, they did it yeah. as a fuck you to Trump, which was just amazing. Biggest. So great. So great. Y'all got Cuomo down uh, over there. I, I, I respect him. She She's is probably up. former mafia, but
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Let's
2: see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an, I'm so from I New York well. as well. I know Justin doesn't know that. But um not New York City though, upstate New York, which is lame. The reason why <laughs> I hate this speech and why I said I take umbrage with it is like the use of the word niggas. I know we had this conversation a little bit on this podcast before. <laughs> I I think I was the one who said, yo, I use it. I totally do. Um, And it also goes back to something else. I think like we kind of started to talk about on this podcast a few episodes back as well, where I was kind of saying like, yo, I want Black people to stop judging other Black people based on the concepts of whiteness and Blackness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this speech was doing that exactly. It's trying to use the term niggas. And I know that's an ugly word in this and that. It's trying to take this... white hatred behind that word and apply it to kind of the Black interpretation of it, which I know many Black people do not like the word nigga, nigger, or any variation of it. Um, But here's my thing, right? And I'm just going to run through some of these. Uh, Trifling, shiftless, good-for-nothing niggas. Um, I know a lot of uh, trifling, shiftless, good-for-nothing white people. True. Um, Mm -hmm. And all all other races as well. Niggas wax and wane. Niggas love to complain. Uh, I know a lot of people of other races who love to complain. Uh, Niggas love to hear themselves talk, but hate to explain. I know a lot of people of every race who are just this way. So what it's doing is taking all of these ugly human traits that most people possess. And like we're, but we're saying, oh my God, you guys, I don't know if you guys have heard these terms used. My family certainly does use it. Uh, My family is gigantic. Uh, But people in my family would be like, oh, my God, stop acting so niggerish. Stop talking so niggerish, Lindsay. Like, stop doing that shit. Uh, Why is this shit niggerish when everyone does it? Why do you have to attribute these negative traits to nigga behaviors? And there is nothing wrong with being hood and ghetto and doing the shit we do. Now, yeah, don't go around being, like, shiftless and lame and procrastinating. Yeah, those just aren't good qualities to possess. But also, Black people, please stop accepting the fact that oh, because white people try to put this on us that you also have to punish us or judge us or be ashamed of your niggerish behavior, um, I don't know. That's kind of my thing with it. Like I hate uh, it. I hate I it. Feel, I feel
4: you. I love. I wait. I love it. I love when you you come out and, you, and like you give the the other, um, you know, the other side, the other view, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. And it's funny because. When people say, why are y'all so loud? Because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're passionate, we're funny, we're loud. Now, the same thing that you guys can't stand is what make Kevin Hart makes Kevin Hart who he is now and rich as hell. Because I'm yeah. saying you that's but we are passionate, loud people. We get together, we laugh loud, you know, we talk shit to each other. That's who that's who we are. And I think that's another strength that, you know, the non-melanated are envious of. So then they go ahead and they try to switch that on us. Like you said, and make it a negative thing, um, you know. Which, which is not. I mean, like I said, you know. I look. We are dressing and matching with these masks that we have to wear now. Black <laughs> people are not upset about it. Like oh You just gave yeah. them something else to accessorize with. We are <laughs> yes. killing it. Okay. If I yeah. I see people out and I'm like, okay, that's like, prop, that's you know. Um, and so that's what Sparkly. I'm saying. I think we're able to make something out of nothing. You okay. know, something that's not that serious or trivial. We're going to go ahead and we're going to
3: make it our own. Like, you know, Mr. Bonnet. Um,
4: the, is the like, masks.
3: Who? The masks are the new Easter bonnet.
4: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I definitely agree with you on that. That. So I wonder if it's you know that message was being said and stated because of the time that we were in. So this is what two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand was this yeah,
2: episode? Yep. Two
4: thousand six. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so 2006, you know. but he came back in like October 2000. And yeah. I think it was like right around 2001 when you know it was like set after 9 11. So, oh.
4: yeah, so it was. Yeah, it was after 9 11. So, we didn't know what was going on, we definitely didn't know our place. Because we didn't know what the hell was going on in this country. You know, we were just trying to like, oh, if it's orange this time, all right, we're not going anywhere. We were fearful. You know, like Cat Williams says, I don't know any insurgents, but they definitely had us afraid of these insurgents. You know, um, we had a president that we knew it was not for us. That was the beginning, I think, of us understanding. So we can have leaders, but these leaders don't represent all of us. So it was so much turmoil and and th- things that were going on at that time. What I was what I really found interesting is that he was like, "I'm going to Canada." That's so funny because how many goddamn times have you heard some black people say, "If Trump would have gotten reelected, especially me, I was going to Canada." <laughs> you know, so. It's but, funny but like that literally that like, like I, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah, you can. Like I said, <laughs> like, I was coming with like you. That I was to be in your it luggage. Was, something.
3: I had the paperwork. I'm like sitting there going, please, please, please. I don't want to move uh,
4: tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just find that very interesting that, you know, um, his, the, the response would be, I'm not dealing with this shit. Like yeah. I, I thought you guys had a more, much more difficult time. That's what you guys thought. But this shit to me is, is something I can't even deal with. So I'm going to go ahead and, and move to Canada um so i just found that very interesting as well just and sitting here and just kind of listening to everybody that once again it's so relatable it you know mm-hmm. you have to think about the time that we were in then but think about where we are now and just how close they are you know um i think people would be very offended if the situation if it was a real life situation and all of a sudden you know that martin luther king we you know we had a breaking news and there he is you know giving a speech you know i think there'd be a lot of hurt feelings that, uh, um, and I think it would maybe be divisive within our community because you would have some people pointing the finger and doing yeah. exactly what you know he says that we shouldn't do. Oh, so, yeah.
3: oh yeah, I, I one of the things that I wrote down was, um, and actually, well, in a minute we'll go, we'll do that. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was that the stuff that MLK was talking about in the, you know, in the now times, that's Bernie and AOC. That's considered extreme leftism. And he, he mentions that. And, you know, that's part of a clip that we'll play in a minute. But the fact that basic human rights are seen as this huge leftist issue... Uh, this huge socialist, terrible, like crazy mm-hmm. communism, blah, 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 whatever the fuck they want to call it today. Um, Marxist. Right? Yes. yes. I, yes. Will, I will full on admit that I support anarcho-socialism. And what that actually means is community taking care of itself and policing itself. And that the, what the
1: government does right. is
3: make sure everybody has the basic needs covered. And like, I... I'm an
1: anarchist myself, so I salute fuck you. Yeah. Yes, fuck yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. See, so. they
4: don't want us to do that because if it's too much like right, we're going to be we're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Can mm-hmm. you imagine how successful if, if you know the celebrations that happened i i mean there was when has there been a national dance party that you guys could think of national, in history worldwide you know, it was crazy world but to see wide. people just like running out of their houses and doing the electric slide and the wall <laughs> and everything else <laughs> yes. you know that was amazing but just imagine if if that unity could happen on an everyday basis and that we joined together to make everybody you know on an even playing field Whoa! Then you yeah. know all the bullshit that these white men have been telling us for the past two hundred, three hundred years. You know their lives are over, their existence is over as they know it. So that's not something they would want. But I, I, I think that it would be very powerful.
3: I think we could do it. Yeah. Um, let's uh, yeah. hold real quick. Let's let's play that clip so that we can talk about. Yeah.
0: And so, the philosophy of this new political party might be considered extremely leftist by some... Do you love America? I'm sorry? You sure as hell are,
1: buddy. Why can't liberals ever answer that question with a simple yes, huh? If you ask me if I love America, I say yes. Why can't you say yes? Say you love America
0: right now. Say it. The party's basic philosophy is... Say it! Sir, I will not
3: be... Say it or shut up! So, let's, uh, before we talk about that, let's remember that this is way before Trump entered politics. What? What? You mean Fox News has always been this bullshit? Yes, yes, it has.
2: So, and Trump was talking that shit back then too, though. Don't forget, he was, he used he to be up was. on Twitter yeah. still. Yes,
3: he, was. he absolutely yeah, was, absolutely but he man. had no yep. power. He had <laughs> all he had was his reputation. Right. He hadn't even done fucking Trump University yet, or whatever it was.
1: Well, he wasn't everybody's rap yeah, was Except for, well, yeah, yeah, as
3: a landlord, he had experience as a landlord kicking people out of out of their homes for you know, especially black people. Uh, and let's not
1: forget the Central Park Five right? and the articles he took out right. on them, and him standing right in his privilege and and standing firm in, in, in his in his ignorance. With even after they were vindicated and and and, and deemed innocent mm-hmm. by a court of law, he still saw them as guilty. So yeah. he's I'm he's he, he, he's exactly who we thought. He was. Yes. I don't understand why yes. why people expected something different from a person who literally who his grandfather would not like lease to people and he didn't want people renting from him mm-hmm. who, who, who who were on welfare like in the seventies and eighties.
3: He didn't. He didn't want his employees to be black. He only wanted to have the Jews in his casinos because they were good. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so much fucking stuff. And and there are still people. And I say this with every ounce of what the fuck I can manage. Seven, almost seventy-one million people. Now I'm not saying all seventy-one million people think that you know agree with everything that he says. But they figured. They figured that he did a good enough job with 225,000 people dead of COVID and a economy completely at its knees and half of Texas in a food line waiting for hours. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm.
4: Because they're not there. (laughs) And if they're, uh, if they do know somebody like a a cousin or somebody like that, they don't mess with them. There are literally people dying
3: in hospitals right now who are still saying they don't believe in COVID. Yeah, like, There was yeah. a news article early, I think it was out of um, one of the Dakotas, and the nurse was just bawling her eyes out saying these people were on their literal deathbed saying they didn't believe it was COVID and that these nurses were, like, in, part of a conspiracy and shit. And I'm just like, it... it that that scene
1: (laughs) how hard is it for you
4: to do your job when you have somebody telling you that and you're trying to save their lives but they're sitting and telling you that you're part of a conspiracy theory how dare you you should be ashamed of yourself and you're like man i could really not give you this medicine right now (laughs) i I say that they would but you know how hard is that you know and and how sad are those people that they were on their deathbeds still spewing Mm -hmm. so much just venom you know like just not
3: caring yeah. yeah And how many? I mean, I
1: had I had COVID out in, in New York oh. City, so I experienced it firsthand, and it was not a game. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't taste anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, me having like you know stomach issues and GERD and, and LPR, where you know a lot of a lot of my vocal like raspiness comes from. You know my ailment so imagine that on top of covid and then trying to breathe it's hard enough for me to get up breaths already so imagine you know double down on that and i was sort of ambivalent because two reasons one as as black people you do not trust the Right. Traditionally, you don't trust the medical establishment. We're mm-hmm. talking Tuskegee. We're talking all types of medical apartheid. Eugenics, Gynecology whatever, in general. You know. yep. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I could from that perspective, you can understand that. And, you know, you could you can you can ear on the side of caution with taking every bit of information that's out there, lock and step and, 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 and chapter and verse. On the other hand, I do work in the medical field and, and science also plays a role in it as well. And you I mean, got us, you got us sort of.
4: Yeah. You have to understand that science is science. You know, it, it, people are doing their jobs and bending over backwards to prove, mm-hmm. you know, how we can live a better life or, you know, something that affects us. Um, you know, my business, I am in the cannabis you know, industry, multiple sclerosis lives with me. Um, and it was very important for me to understand and take control of, of, I don't call it an illness. I call it, you know, ailment It's here. You know, um, I say all the time, my life must be so dope cause it just decided to pick me. Um, but it, um, it, it means more to me to understand what mother nature provided what like Mama Dia would have like mixed up and you know said girl drink this even though if it wouldn't have cured me but just understanding the benefits of what this world and, this, and nature provides to us other than Big Pharma because I don't trust them they're putting people they're making zombies they're you know opioids um, any other way like it infuriates me that yes you will give my grandmother 30 plus medications to take every day instead of saying let's go ahead and change your appetite let's get you active Let's do these things. You know, it means more to you to send money to big pharma than to, you know, to educate people and to make them responsible for their, their health. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I do with, you know, the Mary Jane Maven and my, my cannabis education is letting people know this plant is super powerful and you start, you know, understanding how it can benefit you and you can elevate your quality of life, which then gives you the freedom to be comfortable in going to your doctor if you have an ingrown toenail or something minor like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, because there's so many things that the black community, we ignore. And then that ends up manifesting into something way more serious right. 30 years down. The absolutely. Road. Um, so if we, if we have the power of understanding how we can utilize holistic medicine, how we can utilize plants and, and things like that, then we can, you know, we can alleviate that kind of epidemic of us not trusting you know um, big pharma and and trusting
1: doctors it it comes down to like intelligent observation what what we're doing is we take we take factoids from sources that that haven't been fact checked or or vetted you know and we take it as true for you know i remember you know because i used to be the heavy conspiracy theorist and what you used to have to do is cite your source. Mm-hmm. You don't have to cite anything anymore. You used to have to cite the the, the diagnostic uh, uh, medical journals. You used to have to cite studies. You used to have to actually cite actual science and how it would do this and how it's it's not it's not that anymore. It's a rumor. It's hearsay, and that's the part that becomes dangerous because you're dealing with hearsay when you know people's lives are at stake so you have to actually you know when when i when i was doing it and doing websites and in my in my heavy huey phase you actually had to be um cognizant of the information you're putting out and and reticent to put out some bullshit for somebody fact checks you yeah they
3: don't do that anymore because the, the Sorry, I hate to interrupt, but we absolutely need to play this clip because it, it's perfect right here. What the people need is the truth and not the pretty truth. The horrible,
2: awful, <laughs> terrible truth that hurts people's feelings. The truth that makes people get angry
4: and get up and do something. Yeah. See, look at these things. That's But it totally does. Like you're talking right. and I'm like, dude, I think this will work. Yeah. Very <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I love Charlemagne the God. I've said that before. I think he's a great content creator. I love how he's grown. And he says, um, and it was from his book that he wrote, but he says, the uh, a lie travels twice as fast as the truth because it's like, I mean, I'm not quoting it exactly, but it's so much more attractive to people to hear a lie. Plus people don't have the um, the attention span to hear or to go look for the full truth. Even if like some deep down is telling you like, hmm, I don't think oranges have wings, but this article said so. I'm just going you know, <laughs> to say like, you know better. You still don't take the time to, oh, and then you go and on, you
2: regurgitate huh? it,
4: you know, to other people. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh-huh. So
0: well,
4: I like that. Oh. That's very, that's and like I one.
2: said, started to say before about this in particular, um, like I said, you guys are nicer to oh, yeah. these people than I am. And this is something I do I do not have facts for, right? This is an opinion. Oh. You will I have said it on this podcast. I will never stop saying it on this podcast. These people, like you said, these Trump supporters with COVID in the hospital dying who don't believe in COVID, these people know what's up. But they are going to protect, like, can we all agree, like, right, we talked about it on the first episode of this podcast about mm-hmm. how getting closer to whiteness is the uh, American dream, right? Yep. So what they're trying to protect is the American dream, white privilege. And I say white because like, listen, there are minorities of all sorts who are in on this gag because they believe they're going to achieve that white privilege. So the name of the game is protect white privilege at all costs. You can cite whatever you want. You can give me the facts. You can pull my beating heart out of my chest and say, see the COVID spots here or my <laughs> lungs or whatever. And I'm going to say, no, I don't. I don't see anything but a but a, a American blue blooded heart is what yep. I see. They're going to lie and believe whatever they want at all costs. And I think going back to a comment Justin made at the very beginning kind of about like sort of like Huey and like this generational sort of political social, uh, social kind of belief thing like with people like Huey, people like Riley, uh, people like Martin Luther King is talking about in this speech. Um, I think Huey has this sort of uh, naive sort of utop. Not, it's not utopia, but you know what I mean. Like sometimes, like me and um. Tiara, we're talking about this on Twitter one day in regards to socialism and leftism Mm -hmm. about like how I'm saying sort of like, yeah, the ideology is great. Same way I feel about capitalism, honestly. The ideology of it is great. Wouldn't it be wonderful if these things could work? And I think that's sort of Huey. And then what you kind of see with the Martin Luther King character here is that, right, he used to believe in this ideology. Now he's on the other side and he realizes how much fighting for the truth got him nowhere because people didn't want to hear it. They wanted mm-hmm. to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Uh, listen to booty, butt cheeks and watch soul plane mm-hmm. and whatever else. And that's kind of both sides of the coin of what I think is going on in the show mm-hmm. and in real life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs>
3: yeah. Girl, that was fantastic.
2: Well, um, I know actually, picked like this this so too.
3: We <laughs> it's one of those things where recruiter in this episode, essentially, uh, 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 predicted a second civil rights movement edged like um, egged Uh, on by Martin Luther King's complete just lack of faith with what happened to the country and it it kind of like to tie it to real life 15 years later we are much slower than what he thought but he predicted well uh, like this is what's happening right now because we have been consumed By the white audience for so long Mm -hmm. that we're starting to take back our stories and take back our lives and take back you know what people think about us and you know like the the whole movement for uh, okay I'm gonna say this I know that I I tend not to watch the big news channels when it isn't an election season because it's just overwhelming. Dean is still watching it right now, so I'm still watching it right now. Mm -hmm. So I can I can honestly say just from the years of having watched all these different cable news shows, it is amazing to see black women on the screen with their natural hair and to see, yeah, exactly. To see all kinds of people. It's not all like, it's again, monolithic. It's not all the same cookie cutter look like you see on places like Fox News Mm -hmm. um, or OAN or whatever, where they're all blonde and blue eyed Hitler wannabes. Um, So that I feel like, 15 years ago, that was not the case. When, ML, when this no. episode was, was created, there was no way you would see natural hair on anyone in TV at well, all. I a black women,
4: Okay. I kept a nice weave in. Mm. I got in the wigs. And you couldn't tell me nothing. Now, there's but nothing wrong with, with straighting your hair no, or isn't. anything like there that. Isn't. But i But I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you said that because I was going to say, I feel like the new kind of revolution uh, started to change yes. when black women started to embrace... Natural hair, and mm-hmm. wanted to start like once, leave the creamy cracker alone. We wanted to be more like you know our ancestors or these pictures that we see. Um, we know what the real Cleopatra looked like, we know you know what I'm saying. Like, that's what we want to represent. I know that it took me really being hard headed, cutting my hair, bleaching it, and then because I saw a little new growth, I decided to go ahead and do a perm and then got in the shower. My hair was in my oh, hands, oh, yeah. Um, girl, oh. but and my husband goes. You look good. I haven't gone back in five years. I have much more confidence now. I definitely feel more connected to who I am. We we know we don't have a connection like everybody else thinks that they do or can, you know, kind of do a family tree on. We don't have that same connection, Mm -hmm. but in me being natural and having my shorter hair, that is a connection that I feel. And that's Mm -hmm. something that we have to do. I feel like that's when we're really going to start feeling like, we are connected to our true history is when we start really identifying and embracing all of the awesome things about us.
3: There, uh, I, there are a couple of big things in pop in like modern pop culture, like now that uh, not just anchor women on CNN and MSNBC, but mm-hmm. like uh, the other day and I avoided this, this movie because I was nervous about stereotypes around it, but um, I don't know if you've seen the horror movie, bad hair. Um, it yeah, it I is so It is so great It is so great it's a, On Hulu it's a, right? The one on Hulu uh, with um,
4: yeah. yeah Yeah okay yeah We just saw a clip about it Um,
3: So uh, it's It's set yeah. in the 80s It's set in the 80s basically And this woman is trying to You know make it in the In a kind of VH1 MTV type Thing And the whole thing is She goes to get a weave From somebody And it's actually like This Uh Uh it's witch's hair, but it's it's tied to an African folk tale that her parents had had like kept in this like book for hundreds of years. there was a story in there. So it's like tying back to actual like slave tales that were done about you know stay away from the moss by the bank because mm-hmm. it's witch's hair and when the when the slave girl used it to put a weave in her hair and became the master's favorite kind of thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh
4: yeah! Thank you yeah. for reminding me. That was on my playlist. Thank I,
3: you. Yeah. I avoided it because I was afraid of it, but it was so good. It was funny. It was. I. I loved, loved, loved so much of it, and it definitely for me, as somebody who, when I was younger, especially growing up again in in a all white place with a you know very well meaning white mom who didn't have access to something like YouTube. Um, I essentially had an Afro in a ponytail. Like my hair, nobody knew what to do with my hair. Um, and when I went through puberty, the curl relaxed a lot. And pretty much my entire adult life, I've been accused of straightening my hair. But no, this is what it does now. Um, it changes. But, that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but bad hair is not the only one. There was also uh, something else that I was going to bring up. Oh, Lovecraft Country. The Oh, yes. If you've seen, uh, if you are caught up, if you are not, this is a little bit of a spoiler. But um, one of the characters was chased by a uh, figment out of an African folktale. Um, well, not African, a slave folktale. Uh, and one of the demons that she was manifesting had a type of black hair that you do not see in entertainment at all Hmm. um natural growing out in spots basically like not nice and neat not in a nice kind afro or whatever but Mm -hmm. like how a lot of black people's hair actually grows naturally from their head um and just seeing stuff like that that's that you wouldn't have seen that 15 years ago no so there are a lot of things we've there are a lot of things that have come a long way since this episode and this this version of mlk
1: yeah Hmm i i i um as we're talking about this i I just remembered like this james Baldwin quote like to paraphrase it it's like to be a negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be angry most of the time um and we can be angry about our socioeconomic status we can be angry about our hair and and living up to eurocentric standards of beauty we can be angry about our place in capitalist society and sort of being um, sometimes phlegmatic and and sometimes uh, ambiguous about it on one end, you know, Mm -hmm. it says, go get the bag. And then on the other end, we're like, do what did this, what does this bag do for the rest of our people? You know, Mm -hmm. you can be, you could be caught in that, in in that middle ground. Um, but, uh, um, to piggyback off of the speech, you know, I, I do think there were a lot of things when, when I was hearing the speech and then I'm hearing like Huey talking about also the clip when he's talking about like the whole truth, tell the ugly and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uncensored truth. The truth is, and I've always felt this about this speech and why it's out of touch is because it's not tying into a lot of the conditions. We're we're talking redlining. We're talking the 1994 crime bill. We're talking the 1988 crack laws. We're talking you three know strikes p- laws. police brutality mm-hmm. three strikes laws we're talking that 1992 if you're, if you're in New York City how Giuliani had a whole bunch of you know when Dinkins was mayor and Giuliani just had a whole bunch of cops beating people on oh, the streets yeah. and, and yelling racial epithets and all this stuff and, and just cops walking the streets with, with impunity and everything else so these things make people angry they make people lash out to look for forms of entertainment to suppress that feeling of, of of feeling unwanted of of feeling um marginalized of you know women feeling um pretty pretty much oppressed on on everything that they do, they do especially black women of of trying to fit a standard of of beauty that mm-hmm that they feel either isn't attainable, so they augment their body or augment something else. So there is a lot, even in that time, there is a lot to unpack from just from the speech alone and like I'm saying him waking up and coming out of a coma and then coming into a time he doesn't understand the history that was happening while he was asleep and I always felt like that's a metaphor that you can literally be stuck in your time and be asleep while the rest of the world is happening and you have no idea how to how to acclimate yourself to the winds of change you're just stuck in your the time so you're disconnected from the youth you're disconnected from black women you're disconnected from revolutionaries you're 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 disconnected from the anti-capitalists and what's going on with with our presidents and, and our candidates and everything else so you can be so stuck in your time and you can make a speech that is so out of touch and out of place that you may lose people. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was, I felt like that was a major theme that was missed in this speech. And I felt like that was an ugly truth. We didn't tell like about this episode. I feel, I always felt that was ironic.
4: Well, that's Absolutely. that's really insightful. That's awesome. It is because I think that, um, you know, when he was alive, he spoke and everybody listened because that's what was needed at that time. Everybody, you know, felt this thing black people felt the same we needed to make that move forward you coming 40 years later now and trying to tell all of us that live in a much faster world you know we, we have other opportunities there are some of us who do very well people that have degrees upon degrees so there's some of there's some people that would be like i listen to this dude so i'm not following him so that happened a little I think in the episode that's
3: yeah happened a little in the episode was after his okay. after his speech, there were a couple of yeah. people who were like, "Oh!" It wasn't until later when it was replayed on the news that people were like, "Oh, I should listen to what he was saying." Yeah. So like, yeah. it didn't really explore it a lot, but it did kind of touch on it a little bit. I think it was subconscious,
4: like underway, uh, you know, hopefully eliciting the conversation or the thought of, "Well, wow, would he be followed the same way?" Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, would he be followed the same way? Would it, would he have the same effect now than at, as he had then? Because look at who we we have. Like somebody like um, Killer Mike, you know, mm-hmm. we have somebody like him that that is taking that realm, but he's doing it differently. He's like, let's get financially educated. Let's support each other, people. Let's be entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I, I I I'm an affiliate marketer for this one company called Black Business in a Box. The first time that I saw it, I was like, this is genius. You pick like an eyelash company or uh, an adult sex, you know, intimacy store or watches. You pay, you know, it's like about, I think they start off at like 400. Now I think it's about 250, but they set up everything for you. So it's a full e-commerce store and everything. And I was like, you know what? That is a great way for somebody to get the touch of success as an entrepreneur Have residual income coming in and then roll into entrepreneurship. I think things like that are fantastic. So in 2020, these are the things, these are the strives that are being made to get us to where, you know, Dr. King wanted us to be and what what he dreamt about. So I like that, Justin. I like that you, um, I like when you made me think. You made me think there. I like that. (laughs) That was was very good.
1: And there's also, there's, there's also fronts for, you know, different fronts in the revolution. Some people made, I marched, you know, we marched to the, the, the place where Sean Bell was shot, mm-hmm. and you know, we we sat there and we heard people's speeches and testimonies, and we heard, you know, these are around these are around the George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, like yeah. COVID tense times, you know, mm-hmm. and when when protesters were getting pepper sprayed and and maced, and you know, um, this is this is me coming getting retested and coming off of quarantine and going just right back because I I felt strongly about being in the streets and being a part of what was going on. I didn't want to be a performative protester. I didn't want to be a performative activist. I wanted to be in the middle of it all. And when you get in the middle of it all, you know, you find out what your front is. Some people's front is music. Some people's front is protest. Some people's front is, you know, um, organizing on social media. There are different fronts. In a, in a revolution for different people and some people and some people may be great orators and some people aren't, you know, so Absolutely. we all have to, you know, we all have to pick our place in it. That doesn't mean, you know, be, be stagnant in it. It just means, you know, pick your front and, and work it to the best of your ability. You know, we all have, we can all have a role in active change. If we pick our front and, and, and be our best selves in what we choose
3: and that that 's kind of how this podcast started, actually, because I could not physically join those marches or anything because of my compromised immune system. My physical ability to march is is not there anymore, and uh it, and Seattle Place were definitely a deterrent for me uh but um it the idea for this podcast really came out of the time shortly after George Floyd died and me wanting to be able to still be the that activist that I was 20 years ago and still be out on the street marching and screaming in those cops' faces and, and just like protecting the people that needed it and feeding the people that needed it. And um, so being able to talk about all of these things and uh-huh. pulling in an audience of people who have never thought of some of these things before, it, it's it's become my way of being able to still be in whatever happens from here on out. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, for me, and I say this to the, to the girls every week, it's like therapy. And it's also feels like I'm actually contributing. So, um, But uh we should we we're getting we're getting a little late. So uh let's uh, I'm gonna start wrapping it up here. Um but before we did that, I did want to mention a couple of little trivia things that I thought were really, really important. Um first of all, I love that you mentioned James Baldwin, one of my absolute favorites. Uh the school that I work for is actually right now trying to get our new building named after him or after them to be sorry. Uh and so that just I I wanted to point that out. Um so the, the book that MLK writes in this is called "Dream Deferred," which is an obvious reference to Langston Hughes, who wrote mm-hmm. uh, right. the poem "Harlem," which mm-hmm. is what happened, what happened to a dream deferred, talking about what happens when you are pushed, pushed your dreams to the back burner over and over and over again in, in, you, know, for somebody else or for something else, or because it's not the right time. Does it dry up and die? Does it? explode and i think we're seeing the explosion right now uh with what's happening and in this country i'll,
2: just, I'll add quickly mm-hmm. to that because i know we gotta wrap it up y'all know i truly believe the end of game of thrones that is what it was a hundred percent about i have fought with many people about the character of daenerys that is what that is exactly what that was about but we that's a different conversation for a different podcast <laughs> oh yeah we will talk about that yeah, Hell yeah,
4: because yeah, we just during during I'm calling it coronation this whole year. So <laughs> I've watched the yeah. Wire, which I didn't watch before, and I've we watched Game of Thrones and finished it all. So it's fresh, it's fresh for me. So i would I'd be interested mm-hmm. to, to yes. dive into that. Um, one last thing I wanted to point out mm-hmm. is what we noticed at the end of the episode um, on the newspaper. Oprah <laughs> had just been elected president in the and year two thousand. Was November eighth, twenty twenty. Yeah, thought that was crazy. No, it's no not bush. You know, it's not. It's not <laughs> Oprah. Uh, but we do have a black woman in the White House. Finally, that, I'm telling you, Aaron Maguder, That man's a little psychic. Yeah, right, like crazy. So yeah, so, so I definitely I wanted to point that out. Yeah, very much so. So awesome. We could all, all we right. could keep just going all night, but you know.
3: Absolutely. I have to be the, you know, I have to look at the (laughs) clock and go, okay. (laughs) Dean, yeah. what time is it?
5: Speaking of Aaron Magruder, he's the one who did young uh, granddad's voice.
3: Right, on the bus. On the bus. Oh! <laughs> did that way
4: sound
1: okay? Fun fact. Fun fact. He, he was
4: hot. He's like, Rosa took my shine. That, <laughs>
3: right?
4: it was funny. I forgot that. was fun. Uh, Come get this yeah. woman <laughs> and man.
5: <laughs> I, I, I love how granddad has always been so reticent to join in anything with the civil rights yet has except always this. been in the middle of it <laughs> well
3: this one he <laughs> except was for like, this one it was like right. he just you know he wasn't there they just ignored him <laughs> yeah. right or he left to go get his raincoat yeah he <laughs> yeah. wanted
4: his or he left to go get his raincoat so i don't know how yeah <laughs> well that was a different that was a
5: different
3: day that was a different day Yeah. It was different,
5: it was different. <laughs> so uh right. so so my my, uh, yeah. my stupid white people question uh, is something that's a regularly heard question from stupid white people. <laughs> Why are black folks looting and burning things when Martin Luther King practiced nonviolence? because yep. well, you're a monolith, so Who wants to right? take this one? Because, <laughs> <laughs>
1: who wants to take this one? Because, oh boy!
3: Well, the only the only thing I'm going to say right. is there was a there was a woman who said it better than anything I could ever say, and we will link to it in the notes because I can't remember her name right this moment. don't
1: from the Kimberly Jones, Kimberly Jones, yes. where she did the yes. whole, the, the Monopoly reference. Mm-hmm. And, the, and yes. burning down Walmart do we care Absolutely. about your Walmart. Hell yeah. yeah. We, fuck your target. Fuck yep. your target. Right. Okay. And basically, playing a game a game of Monopoly where the board was you know our money. We were basically bankrupt the whole game, and then we played another fifty rounds, and we still weren't able to build any mm-hmm. wealth. And also, I always want to add that Martin Luther King, at the end of his life, did mm-hmm. embrace um black nationalism. Yep. and he did. One of his quotes was, "A riot is the language of the unheard." Of the unheard. So he, so he was opposed to protests he wasn't opposed to rights because he knew where where it came from so you know you can't you can't basically be cry um anger and rage from a populace that owns absolutely positively unequivocally nothing
3: mm-hmm. yeah. and it's yeah.
4: designed that i love way. that you add that because most people don't realize that you know, they think him and Malcolm X were like, Yo, but it well, some people no. want to with this yeah. narrative. you know, put this narrative out there. They both believed that they had a position to play. They wanted to work together. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It, you know. they
3: were saying the same thing that we were, that we're not a monolith and that it's gonna take mm-hmm. multiple ways for for any kind of revolution to work. Like what you were saying, everybody has a role. MLK's role was to be inspiring and to get more people active. And Malcolm X's role was to get uh, black people understanding mm-hmm. that we are important, just as important as white people, and we deserve better treatment. Now, yeah. MLK was willing to get hurt for it. M- uh, Malcolm X was willing to hurt for it. That mm-hmm. doesn't make either of them more right or wrong than the other. It was a yeah. different way of approaching the exact same goal, which and was I think as, you know, they were raised differently. You know, you have yeah. one that
4: was raised in the church, and you know, right. and you have Malcolm and one X, that was, was in like, prison.
3: Look. Yeah. Yes. And, and gets to the point that he
4: was like, look, sometimes we're tired. And I, this is a quote that I love. And I know I'm this right. We are tired of being angry mm-hmm. um, or sad and we just get angry. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was. And that's the mentality that he stayed in. And I think that you're seeing that now. Yeah. Um, you know, they may they want to stop playing with us because I'm knowing a lot of, of black people that are becoming you know Militant. legal hard-holding gun owners mm-hmm. and they're doing what they need to do and they're you know they're they're learning about how to be self-sufficient mm-hmm. and you know so y'all may want to stop playing with us. But they're <laughs> right,
3: right. Damn right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like I
3: am, uh, I literally uh-huh. have like I I don't like being angry. It is the um so uh, I know I've said this before. I am autistic. One of the things that tends to be a little difficult for me is once I get angry it's really hard for me not to like to bring it back down. So yeah. I try my best not to. I process my emotions and think about and talk about with my therapist or talk about with Dean or whatever it takes to kind of diffuse that feeling. But that's all I feel right now. Mm-hmm. With what's going on in our world. That's I I have so little room for anything else that I'm like you know, grasping at the things that do make me happy because the world feels like, and I've been saying this for two years now, it feels like we're watching the fall of Rome on TV. Like, yeah. you know, the the one thing that Rome didn't have was live stream and we are live streaming the fall of Rome right now, you know?
4: Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying is powerful. When we don't all give into that negativity, that power is so much more, you know, potent than it mm-hmm. is to have, you know, anything else. So I think once we kind of refuse to give into that and, and and get angry in a way where it's a detriment, then everything kind of starts to fall into place because then we're all working from a place of understanding and positivity. Hopefully, we're not all there, but a, a good um, you know portion of us. Yeah, and that's now, mine. I do that's, have my, my, no, I would say I do have my, you know, my own thought about, you know, the, the super white people question. But I definitely want to give Justin the honor of being, you know, the first to, <laughs> well, to no, address it's, that. It's also, uh,
3: but yeah, it's a conversation too, because yeah, like, I yeah. may not support necessarily, like, I don't know, damaging property or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, uh-huh. when it comes down to it, property means very little to me compared to life. people's yep. lives. Yep. So am yep. I going to complain that the target down the street is you know being run over by people who literally can't afford their groceries right now because they've been out of a job since March? No, I'm not going to fucking do that. You go ahead. I'm not going to go down there. I don't care. You, you go right ahead. That's your thing. If I needed anything, you're damn right I would be down there too because we have Man. been fucking blessed that we both have a paycheck throughout this thing, that we both are able to work from home. Yeah. Not everybody has that. And I'm not going to judge somebody I'm not saying I would have been out there because I got babies.
4: And, you know, I wasn't trying to be seen. Hubby's a teacher and everything. But if I had somebody that was like, hey, I'm about to go hit up this BevMo like they did when they wiped out the BevMo, (laughs) I'd be like, where do I meet you? I I do have to say there is a BevMo down
3: the street. But I know exactly. (laughs)
4: Those larger corporations. That's a write-off. You're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. But when it's uh, mom and pop's barbecue, yeah, like come on, you guys were just in there getting your your meat plate. Don't be throwing stuff through the window. Um, well, and a lot that,
3: of a lot of that was hap- that was happening was not Black Lives Matter, but people who I were know. trying to yeah. get the Black Lives Matter yeah. people in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some yeah. yes, there was looting by people of all races. All races. But the majority of damage that was done to small businesses was not done by Black Lives Matter protesters. They went after Target. They went after the bank. They went after Walmart. They went after the big companies with a lot of money. Not your little mom and pop store on the corner. You know, I mean, that was when great. they did it in L.A.,
4: I was actually kind of proud of them because all those people that ran Malibu and in Brentwood and everywhere where they were like banned shoes. I mean, they cleaned out those shoe stores. <laughs> I was like, y'all don't live there. Y'all got in your neighborhood. They all got together. They had a blueprint. Like we'll yeah, go here. We'll it. drive here. They were organized. They didn't go. They Ooh, didn't do fun. it in their neighborhood. And I, I kind of, I didn't, I didn't feel a way about it. I didn't feel negative because to me if those same people walked into that store to buy something do you know how they would have been treated Mm -hmm. you know and like i said those organizations were able to go ahead and call corporate and say this is what happened and corporate did whatever they needed to do to take care of it and business was as par usual so
0: yeah
1: yeah so don't do it in our neighborhood but i like i said um well like i will reiterate um You know, a riot is a language of the unheard. But you know, we don't we don't ridicule the college kids who riot after right Jesus Georgia State knocks over a bunch of cars and 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 causes about ten thousand to fifty thousand dollars in property damage, and they're seen as rambunctious kids,
3: white boys after the World Series. Especially if it's in Boston exactly. or New York or something. Exactly.
4: <laughs> Lighting cop cars on fire. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like we we do not we do not ridicule any of those. We didn't and it was and it was a blimp in the news when those Michigan militiamen marched <laughs> on the state capitol uh-huh. with toting toting rifles and they were seen as law abiding gun owners. Mm-hmm. But let some niggas march on, you know, the, the Capitol with some rifles organized with red, black, and green with some barrettes on looking like Bobby Seale and Huey P. Newton themselves yeah. and see how scared and, and how even even I'll bring this historical fact into it when when, uh, when Huey was trying to protect um, who was it? Betty Shabazz And they marched with her with rifles were trying to protect her after Malcolm X was assassinated. Then the then governor of California, which was Ronald Reagan, who Mm. would then become a president, put in and enacted gun legislation off of that incident. Alone, because Doesn't black people having it? guns
3: is scary. If, uh, exactly I,
5: I, l- right. let me let me recommend uh, something that will be easily found on that as uh, Adam ruins everything. Oh yeah, uh, he did an episode about gun rights and things like that, and how uh, they were so adverse to the black community, mm. mm-hmm. and so, the, how the
3: John uh, Brown uh, John Brown Society is that the name of it? But, no, uh, the John Brown John Brown Gun <laughs> <laughs> Club.
5: Yeah, and that makes John sense. Brown,
1: gun clown.
5: Yeah, oh It's so that's
3: a socialist group. So,
5: <laughs> which makes sense. John Brown. They just had that movie. Uh, yes, that's why I was so. <laughs> like, it's in my
3: head. Where is it? Um, yeah, gun ownership through a liberal lens. Basically, uh, they're trying to be the antithesis of the NRA. So, yeah, you know, hmm. it's, yeah. I I look forward mm-hmm. to the day when the NRA is is finally sued for everything that they possibly have, and they have to it just
5: did that in New York.
3: Go away! I know yeah. it's got to be everywhere, though.
5: I
4: mean, when everybody, when you know, when people really realize how responsible, how just how responsible they are for a lot of deaths, like with just a lot of things, like you guys are not you didn't pull the trigger, but you are you're responsible for it. Um,
3: for me, it I was mean, let's, like I I wanted and. Again, I do try to give benefit of the doubt. I knew the NRA was shit, but it wasn't until the Flando Castile, Ca, Cast, is that right? Mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. where he literally was like, I have a legally owned gun in my car. I'm going to show you where it is. I'm not, you know, I'm letting you know so that you don't blah, 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 blah. And then he's killed. And the NRA is like, cricket sounds. Like, do we have cricket sounds? Yeah. <laughs> All right.
4: Yeah, no, it's it because it, it only matters to who the victim was. Yep. So,
3: yep,
1: you know. Um, th- and another fun fact about that Philando Castile, um, mm-hmm. that same state, you know, George Floyd, um, mm-hmm. they enacted surveillance outside of the target the same the, at the same time that Philando Castile was you know murdered because of quote unquote shoplifting and they put money into that police department when they just heinously murdered philando castillo so that was a big backstory why they tore that target the fuck up good so
4: good yeah that's oh, that's fuck right because yeah. Yeah, that's right and they were like we are tearing the down we don't need a target mm. um yeah, look, I'll still, I'll shop at Walmart. You could do just as well. Um, Sh-
3: uh, yes. I don't know. Walmart is worse, in my opinion, than Target is. Like, Target, well, Target save money is some bullshit. Buy, but- like,
4: you know, there's, shop, okay. So, back when Walmart first started, <laughs> I would have said that Walmart was like a Kmart. I would have hated, you know, my kids probably would have been like, don't buy me anything from Walmart. Or, you know, because it was like Kmart. I hated when my mom used to go back to school shopping at Kmart. I only wanted to go there for the um, See, patty milks. Kmart. And for the slushies, that's it. Other than that, <laughs> please don't buy me anything out of here. But it... Remind me to tell you about high school at and Kmart like
3: here.
4: Oh, God, you still had a Kmart when you were in high school? Good Lord. Oh,
3: no. We used to we skip K-Mart. school and be there every fucking day because it was right down the street. They had to shut down the restaurant that was inside the Target because we were there so much. Oh. <sighs> Kmart. Wait, okay, <laughs> Not Target, sorry. Kmart. K-Mart.
4: <laughs> that's funny. Oh, my God oh well that could oh. be a whole nother episode all the, the, the <laughs> fun stuff from our one from day our, you our and i are gonna years. get
3: high and we're gonna talk about our childhood and we're gonna record it and it's gonna be fucking hilarious
4: well i'll do it i, I think that'll be a great
0: episode
3: <laughs> but yes um well 30 minutes after we said we were gonna get off <laughs>
4: uh, <laughs> we're ramping up it's good conversations very hard to end guys absolutely we, we this
3: absolutely but, um so yeah, yeah, before before we wrap up, we should say, uh, say a special thank you again to Justin from the yes. Smoke and Reggie's podcast for joining yes. us tonight. Thank and you. you guys should go check him out. We'll have the link in our uh, info that Dean will do our show notes. Thank you. Couldn't remember the word. Uh, yeah. All right. Yes, and I hope to collaborate again. Yes. Definitely have
4: you on again, or have yes. you on? You know, our pod. We all have other podcasts, so <laughs> we can all always- we.
1: Um. Um. Um excited and like I said I was elated to have you know be on the show but this was one of the dopest conversations I've I've had in regards to race politics Yay! and just the the state of the world in general i would recommend this podcast to anybody who's just who just wants a different lens of how this 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 world is is going and you know different solutions and different perspectives so y'all, dope, man i, I salute y'all for Thank having you. me on i appreciate it hell yeah i, I have to say you. i think you
4: are a, a you know i'm only a little bit older than you but if i had a daughter and you weren't engaged <laughs> that was around your age you know, I might be,
3: Girl, no, you're not uh, old enough it, to have a daughter uh, his age. Come on I now. Is
4: right. um, <laughs> I'm saying this in the best way possible. I'm not saying it in that, you know, passive aggressive way that we grew up with. You are very well spoken. You're, um, you know, a lot of things, very interesting. And I can see why you, you know, you create content. Um, so on the flip side to everybody out there, please go follow, listen to their episodes. Um, and, you know, give, like I said, I like to say, give you your roses while you're here. So I want to give all kind of roses. Justin, you were awesome. Hi. Um, and our first guest yes, yes our fantastic producer thank you so much <laughs> a great job <laughs> you on. Right wait, wait on. do it again <laughs> don't do that <laughs> what
3: was that that was the daily, daily show. show that was the daily show
4: yes. <laughs> well, <by> the way, <laughs> always l- it's hard to get off but you guys have a great evening don't take this the wrong way bud
2: I need you to get the hell up out of here Thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next week for The Itis. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com links.
4: Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at the boondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760 933 8636. That's 760 We Three Undo.
3: Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intros, hashtag Make a Change by K I R K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audio Binger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.